Welcome to It's the ADHD Friendly Podcast, where we talk all things well-being, personal development, and living our best damn ADHD lives at home and at work. My name is Karen McGill. I'm a certified ADHD life coach, and I'm here to help you do life better. Hello, everyone. Happy Friday. I hope that you had a fabulous Thanksgiving if you're here in the U.S. And if you're not in the U.S., I hope you had a fabulous week. If you're on my Sunday setup email, then you will know that last week, I just clear forgot to send it. (laughs) And the reason I share that is that there's actually a teachable lesson behind it. Over the Thanksgiving weekend and the week prior, my schedule was very different from what it normally is. I was at a conference and then I came home from the conference and then it was Thanksgiving week. And usually here in the US, it's just a very slow week and most people take it off. I did from coaching clients. So it was a week out of the ordinary for me. And usually on Fridays, I write my Sunday setup newsletter and set it for Sunday. And I just do that religiously. And I never forget because it's part of my Friday routine. But because everything was a little bit different because of the holiday, I was out of my routine and I forgot to do things that were really important, including writing that newsletter. And it wasn't until Sunday afternoon, my husband and I had gone for a hike on Sunday and I came home and I realized, oh crap, I just totally forgot to send a newsletter this week. And it got me thinking about how important routine really is. I know we see a lot of people talking about what's your morning routine, what's your evening routine, and small micro routines are great and very important. They are the glue that keeps our days moving forward. But this was a routine more on a weekly level that I had completely overlooked. And then, of course, coming back into a regular work week this week has also been a little awkward just because things don't feel as normal as they did prior to the holidays. So I share all of that just to highlight how important routine and structure truly is, even though we bristle against it sometimes. And as we continue to move through the holidays with Christmas and New Year's and Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and all of the different holidays that people celebrate or don't celebrate, it's just a different rhythm of the year. And I think that's a great thing, but it's also a great thing to be mindful of what do you need to create in your life to develop that additional structure you need to keep the wheels on the bus. So in retrospect, what I probably should have done for myself was looking at this week, the fact that it was a holiday, consider what kind of an alarm or reminder or notification do I need to remember to write that email? Because I do have it as a recurring task on my Notion layout for the week, but because it was a holiday week, I wasn't really looking at it then. So anyway, I want to share that little nugget of wisdom with you just to put in your mind some thoughts around how you can structure the holidays to ensure that you're taking a break to have a good time. But like I said, the wheels aren't coming off the bus either. So today, I actually want to chat a little bit about brain rewiring. I created a YouTube video about this week, but I wanted to be a little bit more in depth with it here on the podcast. And it stems from personal experience and also some tactical tools that I learned in my ADHD coach training. So I'm going to start with the story and then I'll get into the tools that are really helpful for brain rewiring. And the reason that brain rewiring is so important is that our limiting and unexamined beliefs really do shape our lives. So an unexamined belief of something that is limiting and not helping you 
is a dangerous thing in the sense that it can be not only holding you back from quote unquote your best life, whatever that might be, but it could actually be dramatically impacting your life in a bad way. Kind of like driving your car with the emergency brake on and not really realizing it. That's what pushing against a limiting belief can be like when you're trying to achieve something in your life. And it's a good time to talk about this as we wrap up 2022 and think about what we want to achieve for the year ahead and really looking and really taking some time to examine our beliefs around our goals and whether or not we actually think we can achieve them. Because if you're writing down the same goals every year and they're not getting achieved, so they just get moved forward to the following year, then there probably is some unexamined beliefs that are holding you back. So now I'm going to take you down memory lane and share an example of a limiting belief that has held me back the majority of my adult life and how I was able to finally recognize it, examine it, and change it. And I'm going to share a really simple tool that you can use to change limiting beliefs that you have. And it's going to sound so simple that you might even want to toss it away, but I hope that you don't. So let's start with a story. When I was about, I want to say nine, but now that I'm thinking about it, I was probably a bit older. I was probably around 14. I was driving in the car with my mom and we were talking about my career choices. And I remember telling my mom, I want to be an actress when I grow up. And I said it in a defensive way because we were talking about my future in some context. And she turned to me flippantly and said, don't be silly. You're not going to be an actress. Actresses grow up to be drug addicts or something like that that she had said. And she went on to say, you need to focus on getting a real job. Something that's nine to five and reliable and a steady paycheck and just be happy to have somebody paying you on a weekly basis. And that was the end of the conversation. And it probably wouldn't have seemed like such a damaging conversation to anybody externally. But it was one of those moments where your parents say something to you and you don't hear their literal words, but you hear a message behind it and that message behind it sticks with you. So what she said to me was, don't aspire to be an actress because that's a terrible lifestyle. But what I heard was something very different. I heard, don't go after your dreams. Don't go after what it is you want to do because that's risky and what you should do instead is go after something reliable and you don't have to like it. It doesn't matter if you like your work or not, or it matters that it's consistent nine to five and that you get a steady paycheck. That's what I heard. And it, in that moment, imprinted in my brain at a visceral level that it ended up impacting me for my entire life. And it wasn't just that moment because that message was truly repeated and communicated through our life circumstance. My mother didn't like her job. She worked in a factory and then later worked in a factory office. My father was a contractor and he was out in the middle of winter building houses and they worked really hard and they were always miserable at work. And that's the impression that I had about work. It had to be consistent, steady, and you probably hated it too, but that wasn't the point. So that was an imprint that had a profound effect on my career moving forward. So as I became an adult and got into the corporate world, I hated every single corporate job that I had. It's not that there was anything wrong with any of those jobs. They just, they weren't for me. They didn't feel right. They felt like wearing pants that didn't fit properly. Like the waistband was too tight and you were suffocating because all you wanted to do was unbutton these metaphorical pants. And 
breathe, but you couldn't because you had to wear the uncomfortable pants. And I always felt like that's what I had to do because that's what life was about. And in my family, that's what was considered normal. And I didn't have examples to the contrary. Now, fast forward many years later, and I end up in California by virtue of my corporate job. And I met my husband, who was an entrepreneur. And he was really the first person I saw that was a successful entrepreneur who demonstrated something very contrary to what I had learned growing up. His philosophy was, in his own way, yes, go after your dreams and yes, aspire to succeed and yes, make all the money you want to make. So his wiring, even though he grew up pretty poor, was very different than mine. And he showed me something very different without actually ever articulating it. It was just his lifestyle showed me that something else was possible. And being in Silicon Valley, I started to see a lot of entrepreneurs that were doing what it is they wanted to do. And of course, they were working very hard. All of this stuff that you see on Instagram of laptop lifestyles and working on the beach and only working four hours a day, I have never personally seen anyone succeed in business that way. I've always seen entrepreneurs work very hard, but they've been very passionate about the work that they've done. So it has never felt like a slog to them. So I, all of this to say, once I moved to California, I got a very different view of what is possible for work. And as I continued my corporate career, I started dabbling in entrepreneurship. And I've had businesses in one form or another since 2009. I can't believe that I've been in entrepreneurship for 14 years alongside and weaved in between corporate jobs. And the one thing I will say about all of those entrepreneurial ventures, I've talked about this before, is that the majority of them have not worked out the way I hoped them to. Some had mediocre success and some were, in my opinion, a failure. But I'd never seen success. And it wasn't until I had this moment of reckoning where I asked myself, like, why is it that in the back of my mind, every time I start a new business, I think this is such a cool idea, but there's another part of my brain that says this is never going to work, <laughs> which is really unfortunate, but was very true. And the pattern that I recognized with that was that I would start these businesses and I'd be very excited about them. But the minute things got really hard was the minute where that old belief that doing what it is you want to do is somehow wrong, that old programming would come up. And it was almost like I was getting poked when things got hard in my businesses. And that's always when things started to unravel for me. It was usually like six months to a year in and things weren't going well where I would just throw my hands up in the air and say, this clearly isn't going to work and move on. And it wasn't really until I started this coach training and really delved into the power of beliefs and how they shape our lives that I realized that was the programming that was sabotaging each business that I started. And it always resulted in the same way. I would end up giving up or closing or selling a business and then moving back into corporate. <laughs> and I knew coming into this ADHD coaching business, that cycle had to stop for a number of reasons. First of all, because I know this is my dharma. I know that this is what I'm supposed to be doing in life. And also, I'm in a position where I never have to go back to corporate. So there's no fallback. So that's when I knew that I needed to do some rewiring in the story that I was telling myself. And beautifully, around this time, 
I was also at a point in my program where we were learning this specific tool for ADHDers who have a tendency to have black and white thinking or to think that nothing's ever going to work out for them or that, you know, anything they try usually fails. And if you've had this sort of limited thinking in any area of your life, then I want you to listen up. <laughs> the reason that we have these default thoughts of things don't work out for us or whatever we try fails is based in what we call a negative cognitive bias, meaning that in the past, we have had failures and we have had successes, but only the negative events, only the failures have had the opportunity to lodge into our short and long-term memory. And there's a neurological reason for this. We have a negative cognitive bias because our brain wants to keep us safe. That's its only job in this world is to keep us alive. So throughout history, we have always been wired to look at the negative and be aware of it so that we can avoid danger. However, and this is particular for ADHDers, but true of all humans, when good things happen, there's really no need to register that in our short and long-term memory because not only does that not add to our element of safety, <clears throat> it can make us overconfident and therefore be dangerous. So all of the positive events that we've had and all of the proof and evidence that we can do things and things do work out for us and we do follow through, all of that evidence has no context in our short and long-term memory. So when we come up against a moment where things get hard, we self-sabotage because or the limbic area of our brain immediately goes to the context that it has available for it, which is negative. There is no context for the positive because we didn't store the positive in our short and long-term memory. So as a result, we're always going to come back to that fallback that things don't work out for us or things end badly or we're not good at things. So what do we need to do to fix this, to rewire our brain? We need to start creating context in our short and long-term memory that things do work out for us, that we do follow through, that we are capable of doing things. We have to create that context in our long-term memory so that the next time we come up against a moment where we get emotional because things aren't going right in our prefrontal cortex, that administrative aspect of our brain shuts down and the limbic emotional area of our brain lights up, it has a new context to lean on. It's not just all 100% bad. Now there's some evidence of good because we've taken the time to marinate on the good and to let the good into our memory. And when we have that additional context, we're not always going to default to self-sabotage. We might actually have a moment to think, you know what, things don't always work out poorly. And there was that time that this worked out. And that will pull us out of that emotional reaction and back into the problem-solving part of our brain that can continue to keep us moving forward instead of just giving up and walking away. Now, I've oversimplified the neuroscience behind that, but that is 100% what we need to do. So how do we do that? How do we create these moments where we can really build that positive context without being Pollyanna, has to be 100% true and authentic in order for us to take it in and really believe it? 
First of all, it comes with practice. The only way to do that, especially when you're an adhd -er and you're flying through your day and never really paying attention to much, I see you because <laughs> I'm like that too. You have to build an intentional practice on focusing on your wins. So here's how to start it. Get out a piece of paper and write down a hundred successes that you have had. It can be any time in your adult life. You can take it all the way back to birth. It can be, I learned to read, I learned to write, I learned to walk, or it can be, I started a company, I finished a graduate degree. It could be small or large. I got out of bed at 6 a.m. every day this week. It doesn't matter. The context is focusing your brain on the things that you do well, on the successes that you've had, the wins that you've had, and no less than 100. And I promise you, you're going to get to 10, 15 successes, and then it's going to start to get hard. And by the time you get to your 30th win or success, it's going to get really hard. But there is neuroscience behind this. I want you to follow through on 100 successes. And here's why. You are forcing your brain to go way back in the archives and search for positive reinforcement and proof that you are competent and that you can do things and that you can follow through. And it's really hard to do because that archive is like up in a dusty attic. It hasn't been looked at in a long time, but it's going to force your brain to do that. And once you have 100 wins, I want you to create a new habit. At the end of every day, it can be at dinner time with your family. It can be before bed, but do not forget to do this. Share at least three wins that you've had in that day and make sure you write at least one of them down in your list of wins. Just keep adding to that list of 100. Every day, it's so important that you make a point of forcing your brain to go back into its young archives, the short-term memory, and think about a win that you had that day and record it down. This is training your brain and rewiring the synapses in your brain to understand that you are just as capable of doing good things and following through and winning as you are failing. Because all, we all know that when we do something and we get positive feedback, it feels good for a second, but we forget it a moment later. But when it's negative, oh, that sticks with you. We all know that. And when it sticks with you and you dwell on it, it gets stuck in your short-term memory. And then it gets lodged in your long-term memory. And like I said, when you move into those emotional moments, you're always defaulting to the negative because that's what has been programmed in your brain. So we are making an intentional effort to reprogram wins. Now, as I say this, I'll be honest with you, I only do this practice once a week over dinner. We share three wins and one thing that we're grateful for, but I don't write them down. But I'm going to start writing them down. I'm actually going to put it into my Notion template that every day I have to write down a win because I do have the whole database of wins, to be honest but I usually only add to it at the end of a week or the end of a month. Now I'm going to start doing that every day and I'm going to encourage you to do that too. And you will be surprised that over time, this is going to start to rewire brain. And here's some anecdotal evidence of that. Coming back to that idea that I was struggling with that where I couldn't create success in my own business. The other night I was in my accounting software just wrapping up November and at the top of my dashboard where it shows income for the year, expenses and everything else, my revenue for 2022 just surpassed the financial stretch goal that I set for myself at the beginning of this year. 
And that is significant, not just because I hit a revenue goal. It's awesome because it's proof positive that I can make money and I can make a living doing what I love. And that was a moment that I not only intellectualized it, but I felt it in my heart. And I will never, ever draw upon that message that I thought I heard from my mother that day ever again. That is gone. It is buried because I just proved to myself that I can not only meet my financial goals and make a living doing what I love, I can exceed them. And that is a powerful thing. So I hope and I wish that for all of us, not just necessarily financially, but in any domain of life where you want to see yourself succeed, but you keep resisting, struggling, self-sabotaging, and failing. So I hope you found that story and that tool helpful. I would love for you to try that exercise of 100 wins, then adding to that list daily. And at the end of your life, I hope you have thousands and archives full of wins that you've seen every single day of your life. And if you struggle with this sort of thing, if you find that's not helping you enough, then you might need the support of a therapist or a coach who understands the power of rumination and living with limiting beliefs. So on that note, guys, I just want to say I'm very thankful for all of you listening. I know there's a lot of podcasts out there. So I'm glad that you're here listening right to the end of this one. I hope that you have a wonderful week and I'll be back next week with more. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening. For links and resources for this podcast, please visit itsadhdfriendly.com or click the link in the show description. Please also be sure to subscribe so you get automatic updates when new shows are posted. And of course, please do leave us an ADHD-friendly review. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week.